Welcome to the Turning Point Podcast. I'm Marita Espada. If you are new to the podcast, I sit the creatives and entrepreneurs to speak about what turning points had the most impact in their lives and how they laid the foundation to their own journeys. If you have listened before to the podcast, welcome back. As you may have noticed, I took a bit of a break from the podcast. I've been working on other side projects and looking to tie in all of the work that I've created lately. I enjoy speaking with creatives and entrepreneurs, but if I have learned something from 2020, is that mental health is a big factor, especially with creators and entrepreneurs as it helps with their decision-making process. I have incorporated this in my work and I will have a few guests speaking about this in the upcoming episodes. I hope you're able to find value in all of this. On that note, I recently launched my meditation teacher profile in Inside Timer. I basically have taken all that I have learned in the past few years about meditation and I will be sharing it with my students for free. You can download the Inside Timer app to have access to all of this material. My guest today is Belinda Farrell, the author of Find Your Freaking Joy. Belinda trained with Tony Robbins and has effectively used the skills in her own life. When Belinda was 48, she collapsed with herniated discs and spinal nerve damage. Threatened with paralysis by her medical doctors if she didn't have surgery, Belinda instead chose to apply the Asian Hawaiian healing practices she had been learning the previous three years, which are covered in her book. For 15 years, she has been sharing these healing practices with others. With that said, let's kick off the show. Belinda, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I'm very excited to have you. Well, thank you. I'm glad it worked and we could transcontinentally connect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a little thank challenge. you for your patience. <laughs> so I wanted to start off um, sharing or understanding a little bit of your background, giving the listeners a little bit of your story, um, kind of like a snapshot. Hard to imagine where to start because I always wanted freedom. You know, we all want freedom as we grow up. And yeah. I was pretty much held down by Catholic school and people who were well-meaning, but they just didn't want to allow freedom to, you know, have me. So I um, broke out of that and finally got um, expelled from Catholic school in eighth grade. And I guess that's where my freedom began. But it was exciting to be um, normal and to have a normal life and normal activities in a public school and it, it just went from there to Berkeley and free speech movement and then I was off to Washington DC to work for a senator and I just started to get recruited by the CIA so I mean I was really wow. kind of in a zone <laughs> <laughs> I kind of didn't know where it was going. But you know, when you don't know where you're going, that's the blessing because it can be anything. It's really not so good to just always have to see where it is that you're starting from. That's the illusion. So I just kind of stepped forward into the darkness each time I did, and it was always opening up to new horizons. I got a job working after I graduated from Berkeley, I wanted to go to the Pasadena Playhouse and study acting, but it closed that year. So I ended up playing Snow White at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> what an alternative. I wanted to be a tour guide, and that's where they put me. But I eventually got to be a tour guide, 
because I took people, even though I was afraid of the water, I took people um, in the ocean to meet the wild spinner dolphins. And it was an, an amazing experience to conquer that fear of the water. And I had been sent to Hawaii to do training in hypnosis, and I didn't know what it was going to lead to. And you know, I kept seeing all the water around on this island and thought, what, what does this have anything to do with me? And then the dolphins started coming in my dreams at night and teaching me how to swim. And I would wake up and I would have this desire to want to go out and be with them. So I had to get over my fear. And it was just incredible. I mean, they taught me how to look at the ocean as a place of nurturing. And in Hawaii, you know, it's very warm there. It's not like out here in Santa Cruz or the Pacific. It's really warm and, and inviting. And so I did that for almost 25 years. So I was a tour guide. <laughs> I finally got to be a tour guide. And I do, um, I like to guide people inside themselves, you know, so that they can understand their unconscious mind and feel the freedom that that releases from the past. So I'm still doing tour guiding. That's amazing. <laughs> that is an amazing story. And I did like what you mentioned about um, not knowing where you're going sometimes is a blessing. Yes. And I, and I think a lot of people want to know what the future holds for them. And I think not knowing and being able to just visit different things and experience different things is like just part of life. And I just well, think I agree yeah. with you when you said that not knowing is a blessing. I got divorced at 40 and I went to my first teacher of healing, which was Tony Robbins. And I was with him for about five years and I did 18 fire walks with him. Wow. And when I did these fire walks, it's like a metaphor that opens you up that says, gee, what would I like to do that I've never done? Because I'm walking on these 2000 degrees of hot coals. How can I do that? I never thought I could do that. So it does something to your brain, you know, to open it up and say, if I can walk on these coals, what else can I do or would like to do that I've never done? So what came up for me was driving a race car. I'd always, I didn't know I wanted to do that. But Tony teaches you this mantra that if I can't, I must. And if I must, I will. So I called a racetrack to see if I could just go and take a lesson or a class, you know, and drive a race car. And I ended up getting hired at the end of the four-day Grand Prix road racing course. And they hired me to drive for Buick and Cadillac in New York. And my stunt driving career began. I had no idea it was going to be so much fun. So they created a course for me to learn. And I, I ended up driving with a team. and we. I did commercials and stuff for almost 10 years. That was my life. And I was in my 40s when I did that. We'll be back with our conversation in just a moment. But before we do, I wanted to give you all a few quick reminders. If you would like to view more free content relating to mental clarity and how this can help you as a creative and entrepreneur, you may visit maritaspada.com. Also, if you would like to help the show, visit patreon.com slash maritaspara. For the cost of a couple of cups of coffee, you can support the show 
With your contribution, you will receive exclusive materials such as template guides, podcast swag, access to updates, and so much more. With all that said, back to the show. Wow, there's there's a lot to unpack because you've done so <laughs> many interesting things that I have so many questions in my head right now. So I don't even know where to start. But if if we go back, because I'm so the stunt driving happened before the uh, trip to Hawaii to to, oh, yeah. to yes, oh, and yeah. so so that led you the stunt driving led you then to do um, the healing with the dolphins and getting over the fear of water. And so, do you think? that it was basically working with Tony Robbins that helped you in overcoming this and just discovering new things in your life that you could just keep basically learning about yourself? He was my first big teacher. I mean, I never really had any healing um, experiences when I was married. I was raising children. Um, it, it just wasn't on my radar. And when I did that firewalk, it just seemed to open up a huge peripheral vision of what was possible and things just come up from your gut that you didn't know were there. And at that time, I was scared to death of water. Tony would do um, these water phobias with people to help them get over and I would help these people get over their fear. And I had the greatest fear and I was too embarrassed to talk about it. I didn't want wow. to admit that... Sure, I could drive a race car, but put me in the water? No way. I was not <laughs> going to do it. So I collapsed at the end of doing a lot of that driving with um, herniated discs and nerve damage. That's what a, a lot of my book is about, of how I healed myself. Because I had learned, um, I was starting to go to Hawaii and, and starting to learn what this ancient Hawaiian healing was all about. And um, it once I, I had the um, collapse of the back and I couldn't stand or sit or walk, um, I was dropped with my health insurance. I had no health insurance because I couldn't work. And so the doctors said, you're not going to walk again unless you have surgery. Well, duh. The only way I could do it was to see if these ancient Hawaiian healing methods worked and I had to use it on myself. And so that's what it was. I stepped into the great unknown with just trying to heal myself and it did work, but I did it 24 seven. I was so into believing that that was what was going to carry me through. And, and it did. And I, after I healed myself, from the back, I thought, if I can do this, I shouldn't be afraid of anything in my life anymore. Wow. And so you went from not being able to walk right. to going to Hawaii to doing this healing practice and being able to walk again. I had been studying the Hawaiian healing for about three years before I collapsed. I had been going to Hawaii <clears throat> to, to swim with the dolphins. Um, to just learn everything I could learn about the forgiveness process. And I was trying to help other people. I didn't know I was going to have to do it to myself. I didn't know that that was going to be, but then it says, physician, heal thyself. You really have to heal yourself before you can heal other people. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. And it's not to say, I mean, that was almost 30 years ago that that happened. And I still have challenges with my back, but never 
at the degree that I had at that time. Because I push myself a lot. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> even in my elder, even in my elder age now, I'm in my seventies. I I still take a lot of chances, but I've slowed down a lot. <laughs> yes, and that and that's funny that you say that because for me, I'm I also was an adrenaline junkie, and I still am to a certain point. And a lot of near death experiences when I was younger. Oh wow! And with because I have really bad ADHD so it's like your mind is always going around like crazy and so that combining with the being an adrenaline seeker and it was it was a recipe for disaster and so with meditation for me has helped me to really understand my mind and understand my my behaviors and my patterns to help me understand like you can still be that person at your core but you really have to understand how your mind works in order to kind of design a lifestyle that fits for you. And, um, and, and so I think that I don't know much about the Hawaiian healing, but I feel like it might be tied a little bit to meditation. And I did want to ask you that question. Um, do you feel like they are tied and do you feel like they have to be practiced daily in order to help you and maybe see a positive change in your life? That's a good question. I like feeling good. And when I do the Ho'oponopono, which means to make right, right, when I do that, which takes just a few seconds, I feel good. So it's like a prescription for feeling good. I mean, we have a laboratory of chemicals inside our body that when we get angry, it sends a message to the heart that bruises it. And that doesn't feel good. Or when we get, you know, our immune system lowered when we're sad or when we feel guilty or all of those emotions run havoc in our body and disrupt the laboratory. So Mm -hmm. when I do this forgiveness process, which is just saying to yourself, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. That's all you're doing. You're erasing what comes up as a dark part of yourself and you're just saying i'm sorry i love you i forgive you thank you and it just neutralizes the effect that it has on your body you decide that you're going to change your story you decide that you're going to change the way you're looking at something and you're not going to judge it in the same way so when you do that it raises the bar and the density, the low density gets nullified and you go to a higher intensity inside of yourself. And so it makes you feel better. It's like giving yourself a shot of uh, insulin. Yeah. And and I love that you picked that example because I feel like now me asking this question about Hawaiian healing and meditation being tied together or maybe having something in common is yeah. true because I feel like what you just mentioned um, could be tied back to meta meditation, which is like the love and kindness, which I feel like it's a very hard meditation for a lot of people to do because I feel like sometimes you could be your own worst critic. And so giving love and kindness to yourself and friendliness to yourself, sometimes it's even harder than maybe to like a stranger or like a pet or a family member. That is so true. I used to have people when I did personal breakthrough sessions I'd have people write down a sheet of paper of what they say to themselves. And most people loathe themselves. 
They don't feel they're worthy to be loved or worthy to have a relationship. And so they don't, they don't compute what it's like to say, to send love to themselves. But in this instance, when you're doing the forgiveness process, you're forgiving yourself for having those feelings. And you don't even know what it's about. Let's say some sadness comes up during the day and you just start to say the mantra, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. You don't even know what it has to do with. But the more you say it, the more you start feeling better. And it just automatically erases the judgments that you had on whatever came up for, the, for you that day. Yeah, and, and mantras, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I agree, and I feel like mantras can be used in any aspect of our life. I think it was it's a book called Champions where um, there was a baseball player in the early 2000s that hit like six home runs in one game. And just every time mm. he, he went to bat, he would say something like, shop would carry water. And <laughs> he wouldn't think about anything else during the game. He would just continue yeah. to say that mantra and so that he wouldn't get in his head as right. he was ready to bat. And That's it was six true. home runs in like one game and they ended up winning the game. And it's it's crazy to think that a lot of people think sometimes that this is corny or like oh repeating this mantra mm -hmm. and the impact and the value that this has when you look at things from another perspective like you have to be kind to yourself right because sometimes you put those obstacles in the way when you want to actually accomplish something well how do you walk successfully on 2000 degrees of hot coals you don't say burning hot coals when you're walking mm -hmm. across You say, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. So you're thinking cool moss and you walk successfully across. Yes, it, exactly. It works in everything, everything. We always are saying something to ourselves. So why not inject something, you know, positively delightful? I love you. I forgive you. This is between you and your higher self. Everybody has a higher self. It's like some higher being that sits up on top of your head but it doesn't have a physical body so in order to bring it down we have to clear the pathway so it's like a pipeline that goes up to the higher self and so when you clear these memories from the past you're being a roto-rooter to yourself and then you can inject your unconscious mind with the desire whatever it is that gives you the the knowledge that you know that it's going to happen. Like when I was trying to heal my back, I kept saying or seeing myself climbing trees. And I would just see myself scampering up these trees. And you have to have an agile back to do that. So the unconscious mind, which is the emotional part of you that runs your body, said, hmm, climbing trees. Huh, okay, fine. Nothing obstructing. So he'd send, it sent that desire up the pipeline to my higher self and the higher self knows how to fix anything and so it just did that at a physical level fixed my back i got out of that bed and i had no more scoliosis i didn't even ask for that to wow. be that was healed everything it was just like somebody turned the page and and i got a completely different story but it was It was, you know, an amazing adventure in that bed because I did a lot of breathing. 
in sets of four, which are mentioned in the book. A lot of how breathing, and that brings up and opens up the boxes of the, you know, the um, memories that are stored at your unconscious level. Most of the time, the unconscious mind is running your body based on what blueprint you have right now. But it can run it so much better if you clear all that stuff out. And it'll just, it won't do it unless you, you give it permission. Like it'll say, gee, wonder if she could handle this today. You know, and then something will come up. And you either go get a cookie or you go shopping or you do something else to distract yourself. Or you deal with it and get closure from it and let it leave your body. And that's all I did when I was convalescing from my back injury. It's just an amazing story to experience and being able to share with, with others that might be in a similar position and, and feel maybe defeated or feel like they don't have any options or feel like surgery mm -hmm. might be the only option or might be in the same position where they don't have insurance. So surgery is not an option. So they, right. they've given up. And so it's, it's an amazing place to, to be, to be like, Hey, I was there. So yeah. I, I, it's not that I have empathy. I was there. I was in your <laughs> shoes. I have empathy as well, but I was there. And mm -hmm. I know that you referenced your book and this is all great content. So I want to make sure that the listeners know which book this is and where they're able to get a copy before we continue with our conversation. And so this is the book, Find Your Frigging Joy. Is that the one that we're talking about? Yeah. Find your friggin' joy. That's right. <laughs> and where, where are they able to get a copy if they're interested? Uh, Amazon sells it in Barnes and Noble. It's on my website, um, hunahealing.com. So it's out there. It's got a little <laughs> heartbeat. It's got a big heart. <laughs> but it, it has a lot of um, visuals as well. And it shows you how to do the forgiveness process. Because... And that is also, I've recorded that on a CD and an MP3. That was over almost 30 years ago when I started um, to teach how to do the, the, the forgiveness process. And so that's on a CD uh, called Chant and Forgiveness. And it takes you through the whole process where you're up on a platform looking down below you and putting people that you have been connected to energetically starting with your mother and father you make them very tiny and you put people down like your ex-boyfriends your teachers your friends the way you look at money the way you look at yourself anything that takes your power away and then you just notice what has had um, power over you all this life and you decide you know i'd like to shift that and all you're doing is breathing down on them after you have them all there. You breathe down on them and you take a cutting instrument and you spin it around you while you're saying the words, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And then with your other hand, you can so allow them to float away. And what it does is it just shifts the way you're looking at them lifts you both up to a higher level so you can deal with the issues that are between you 
because they will come back again. But you'll be on a higher level to deal with these issues. And that's why it's recommended to just keep doing that forgiveness process and clean yourself on the inside. I call it the, the plaque of the soul. You're letting go the plaque of the soul. There's another book that is called Zero Limits, and it's by a Joe Vitale. Have you heard of that? No, I was actually making a note. Okay. <clears throat> he um, chronicles the work of Dr. E. Hiliakala Len. Just call him Dr. Len. And Dr. Len was assigned to a hospital in Hawaii for the mentally insane, the criminally insane. And he went into his office, he sat down, and he didn't see any of the patients. He would just take their file and look inside, and then he would proceed to clean himself of whatever it was that they had that was connected to him. In other words, if you can see something from your eyes, it's also in you. So he would do the ho'oponopono inside himself, and as he cleaned himself, they would heal. They would completely heal. They eventually closed down the hospital. They all healed, the exception, I think, of one or two that were sent to another institution. But they all simply healed. He healed the chair, the tables, the walls, all with this ho'oponopono process, with, I'm sorry, I love you. I forgive you, thank you. And he did it until they healed. And then it closed down and there's a book about it. The nurses were interviewed. They documented everything that happened in that hospital. And this stuff works. I mean, I'm trying to do that for the pandemic. <laughs> exactly, That's, that was gonna be also one of my, of my questions. Yes. But I, I, before I go into that one, I had one more. I know that it's important to start forgiving ourselves first. Right. Do you think in that your experience when there is um, some issues that a lot of people try to maybe ignore them, maybe issues with family members or anything like that. And we, some people try to ignore them to not really deal with them because they think if they ignore them, they will go away. Do you mm -hmm. think maybe at a like a subconscious level that always stays with you and it becomes some sort of maybe negative energy within ourselves that doesn't allow us to move forward in our life to whatever it is that you want to accomplish, maybe at a personal level or a professional level? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have any doubt or any kind of negative feeling, you have a cord that connects you to that person. And you just need to clean it because it's not about them. It's about you. They're being who they are. You can't change the past. The past is already there, it happened. The only thing you can change is the way you're looking at the past, the way you're judging yourself and how you responded to what they did to you. So doing this process is the quickest way and the most effective way that forgives yourself and allows you to get to a higher level with that person, whatever that is, because you need energy to do anything of any substance, to write a book, to start a new job, to be in a relationship, that takes energy, it takes life force. And if you're spending all of your energy dragging that sack of potatoes behind you, I mean, what's the point? So just 
you know, but you have to be motivated to want to change and to want to go forward. You can't force somebody to walk through the door if they don't want to. No. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like there's a quote, uh, Buddha quote that says like holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot piece of coal. The only person that gets burned <laughs> is you. That's true. Yeah. It's something like it's, it's that's how I see it, uh, at least when it when it comes to that. And um, going on to, I guess, the current state of the world with with the pandemic, um, with some people that might be feeling anxious or just the unknown of we don't know what's going to happen in the months to come. Um, what do you suggest people can do and try to find some healing during during this time? Well, again, keeping your immune system strong and keeping hope alive. And I do a lot of cord cutting. I mean, I still go out. I just, I don't want to be run by fear. So, you know, I just, um, I'm careful, I'm cautious, but I'm also optimistic. And I am not going to let my life be dictated by what the media tells me to do. Exactly. I've, I've been in a media blitz before and I know how things can shift and twisted. And so you have to, you know, get all the information you can, but then be intelligent about listening to your gut and feeling what your gut says. And the time is going by fast. I mean, when I think back, we've been in this about six months. Hasn't time just flown by quickly? Yeah, it and has. And it's helped a lot of people get closer to their families. It's, it's, it's been very good in some respects. We will look back on this, I think. And we'll have learned, we learn from everything. So. Yeah, I think it's helped some folks put things into perspective as well. Like exactly. the things that you may be worrying about December last year probably make no <laughs> sense to be worrying about them right now. So right. I think sometimes we do need those moments of just like putting things into perspective and kind of developing this attitude of being grateful and practicing a little bit of gratitude. Because oh. sometimes we go through life not being grateful for the things that we have and not realizing that they can be taken away in any minute and we never appreciated them until they're gone. That is so true. You are a young Buddha. <laughs> maybe because I eat a lot and not maybe because I'm enlightened <laughs> and so I had one more question so for those folks that are interested in learning more about this and perhaps training with you I know that you're in California and this is usually done in Hawaii um, how are you helping those folks now telephone telephone yes I do <laughs> I do a lot of telephone um, healings, FaceTime. So I guide people through the forgiveness process and we do a semi-personal breakthrough session and a Zoom thing when it works. <laughs> <laughs> Making I, sure that everyone can hear us. That's right. But it works. FaceTime is pretty good too. I just, I don't see clients, you know, face to face. I don't do the seminars anymore. And I kind of miss that, but we're all in this together. So it'll change. We'll look back on this someday. Yes. With, and eventually we'll all be able to go to Hawaii. I know. I think they the opened dolphins. up. 
it, the quarantine is over on the 15th. So Oh, is it? Yes. So people can fly into Hawaii, I know now. I had to this is the first year I have not been to Hawaii. So I'm I'm still on a wait see kind of thing because I don't want to get um, stuck there. Yes. To come back. So I'm going to give it till next year. So I don't know. I I I approach the unknown with uh, je ne sais quoi. You know, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I had a a meditation teacher that would say. Um, Right now we're here, so we make space for it. And it really like resonated a little bit with me because I feel like I'm always looking ahead instead of just enjoying things how they are. Yeah, the, the, the past is something you can't go through again, but the present is the now, it's a gift. And the future is based on what you can do here in the present. Yes, the decisions that you make yeah. with That's the information right. at hand. And there are no bad choices. There's always just another choice. Mm-hmm. And something that you learn from as well. At least that's how I see things. I don't know. Do you remember, um, anyway, I talked about this uh, turtle that appeared in the water when I was having a really, really bad time swimming. I was just learning how to swim in Hawaii and I got out too far and I got caught in a current these cross currents. And so I was like struggling and I went into the panic mode and I started calling for help. And this huge turtle, grandfather turtle comes up from nowhere. And I could just hear him saying to me, do what I do. And all he was doing was just being real gentle and kind of, you know, letting go of his, his arms and I'm, you know, struggling. And I just quieted down and I started mimicking the turtle. And he took me safely over the current and brought me onto these rocks, saved my life. And then he disappeared. And I learned from that, if you start struggling, you're going to drown. (laughs) You just got to really go with the flow. And that's what he was doing. He taught me the greatest lesson I could learn in my life. That is, that is a beautiful story. And I have, well, in mine, there was no turtle, which I would have loved. There were <laughs> whales. And it was, oh. I, yes, I'm, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. And when I say that oh. I used to be an adrenaline seeker is because I used to surf a lot. And oh. there was this one year, there's a beach in Rincon. And it's a very dangerous. It's a very dangerous one. They do all the surfing yes. competitions with all the pro yes. surfers there. So I thought, why not? You're not a pro surfer, but you'll survive. So I went in oh and my. it was right after a hurricane and there were warning. They had they usually have the flags in the beach when it's pretty dangerous to go in and you shouldn't go in like color coded. Right. Yeah. And I still went in uh-huh. and I lost my board because of the current oh. and the waves. And I was struggling to try to get back to shore. And I was just trying to swim and, and panicking. And I was with another friend. And at one point I was like, I'm just going to let the waves like take me to the reef and then I'll jump on the reef. And even if I scratch myself and I have to like walk barefoot through the reef, I will survive. And so I jump in the reef, but then my, I see afar my friends drowning. So I'm trying to see how I jump back in the water. 
Um, and then looking down, a wave took me back again to the water and started oh, banging no. myself against the reef. And it was, it was horrible. I think they called 911. And then there were the whales uh, pretty far away. And it was all kind of a blur. And eventually the waves kind of took me back up and I climbed in the reef safely. And some surfers came and brought me shoes and took me mm. to the hospital. But it was a pretty wow. stressful and kind of kind of died from it but it was similar to where when I eventually just let go go. the waves and just I got pushed up again to the reef yeah and so yeah and so it was that's when I was like um mentioning before that as an adrenaline seeker I had near-death experiences that was that was one of them so you know that beach you know that area I lived in Puerto Rico for three years. We were in oh. the Navy. We were in the Navy, so I was in a, a naval air uh, base called Ponce. It was yes. In Ponce, exactly uh, Fort, where it is. Fort Allen. And then we were at Roosevelt Roads. Mm-hmm. Remember Roosevelt Roads was on the other yep. side of the island. So, yeah, I'm very familiar. And I spoke a little Spanish, so I got along really well there. And I taught school there, taught third grade. Oh, you did? Yeah, but I didn't know how to swim. So I was not a swimmer over there. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that was not, not a good place for me. But I loved the people. Yeah, I'm glad that you, that you lived there and you enjoyed it. It's, yeah, I was, yeah, I was born and raised there. I left at 25, so my entire life. Where? Where? What part? I'm originally from San Juan, but more so of Guaynabo, which is like ne- it's near the capital, but they wrap it into San Juan. Yeah. Some parts, some people do. Well, it's been a long time. This is before I had children. We were just married, and he didn't get the um, some kind of permission to stay. He had to he had to pay the navy back so that he had owed them uh, time abroad. And we either were going to go to Japan or Puerto Rico or Hawaii. And he chose Puerto Rico because it was the furthest away from Vietnam at the time. And, that, and so were you living in Ponce? Is that where you were living yeah. when you were in? Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a beautiful place, that area. It's probably one of the cleanest towns I've seen in the island. I remember La Bomba. The, yeah. The firehouse. <laughs> yes. It's very popular. It's like a tourist attraction. Yes. And so I think the, um, the conversation has been great. And I always have two questions for my guests that I uh, love to ask because everyone has a little bit of a different perspective when it comes to responding. Um, what books have you read lately and which one would you recommend that has made a difference in your life? One of my favorite is by Deepak Chopra and it's called Power, Freedom and Grace. And it just, again, affirms what we've been talking about, freedom and of consciousness. And it's just great stories. And it's almost like my little Bible. I went to a red carpet event in Hollywood because I was in that business for a good 20 years. So I still, still go to some of the red carpet events. And in my little gift bag was this wonderful book by Deepak Chopra, Power, Freedom and Grace. And it has become like a, a little Bible to me. I just, I just highly recommend it. It's amazing. I took note of it because I haven't read that one. Yeah, 
It's a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other question that I have is, uh, how did you, how do you unwind at the end of the day? What hobbies do you do oh. that bring you some peace of mind? Well, all during the day, I play Pokemon Go. <laughs> That's a good way to get some <laughs> peace of mind. I love Pokemon Go. I'm really kind of um, obsessed with it. Been playing it for two years. My fiance, he loves it as well. And we play it everywhere we go. Um, so that's one of the main things. And I take a bath every single night with Epsom salts. And that's where I cut cords. And I treasure getting into the water and just um, meditating, letting go. I look forward to that. I don't care what time. I two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock. I have to have my bath, so that's a definite um, necessity that I do. And breathing, I watch TV a little bit at night to escape. I have some favorite shows. I like to just kind of go into another reality, another illusion. And I admire good storytelling. It's really yep. fun. I was part of that business for a good 20 years and uh, glad to be out of it. But I have a lot <laughs> of respect. I have a lot of respect for the people that are able to get through and um, get through, you know, despite the nonsense that goes on. It's fun to tell stories. I saw it yeah, I, I saw a documentary last night called My Octopus Teacher. And it was just brilliant. It was this man, and you would appreciate it. He was a free diver in South Africa. And he dives down and he makes friends with this octopus. Who would, who would have thunk? And this octopus, I mean, for a whole year, they only live for a year. He becomes so close to this octopus. And... It's just, I mean, you cry. I mean, it is just a wonderful documentary. So I, I it sounds amazing. That. Yeah, my octopus teacher. It's on I'm Netflix. gonna bookmark that. <laughs> put, put it here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today and sharing your amazing stories. I really oh. appreciate it, and I'm pretty sure that the listeners will definitely appreciate them as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being flexible too when I was not so techy in the beginning. <laughs> we got through it. Yay! <laughs> in today's podcast, I believe Belinda covered some great points that we can all apply to our lives. One of my favorite points is probably don't be afraid of the uncertain times in your life as times like this help you discover where you may want to go. As I mentioned before, mental health in 2020 has become a very important topic. And I believe Belinda's advice can apply to all of us, regardless of the industry we're working for. If you have been enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you take a moment and subscribe for it on the platform of your choice. You can follow me on Instagram at marita underscore ESP. I hope you all are staying safe and thank you for listening today. For now, peace out. See you next time.